Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. with you all again this week. Uh, my name, who I haven't met you yet, is Reverend Allison Lanza, she, her, and it is so good to be with you and it's been so good to be with you these last three weeks. I'm a Disciples of Christ pastor and the co-founder and executive director of Be the Neighbor, which is a disciples-based service and justice learning ministry. I hope you all know, Azel Christian Church, before we get started, that God is doing something really wonderful in you. And in this time of transition, this is my last week with you. Next week, you'll have Reverend Thomas McCracken, who is just phenomenal. You're going to love him. I may come just to, to hear him. He's wonderful. But I hope you know that God is with you in this time of transition and that God will not abandon you. And I cannot wait to see what you all and God continue to do together. Our scripture today continues our Lent theme of seeking. Today's question is, who sinned? It's the question our story opens with in the Gospel of John from the disciples. But I think similar to the Samaritan woman we talked about last week, there might be some questions behind the questions. Maybe the disciples are really wondering, why do bad things happen to people? Maybe the religious leaders are really wondering, what does it mean to sin Maybe Jesus is wondering, when will they see what true healing means? As we hear our story today from John chapter 9, I invite you to listen for what you think each character is really seeking. Also listen for what you might be seeking in this and how Jesus responds. Okay, here goes from chapter 9. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I'm he, but they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. 
They brought the Pharisees to the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He does not observe the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? They were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received sight until they called the parents of the man who had received the sight and said, is this your son who was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know this is our son and he was born blind, but we don't know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, I don't know whether he's a sinner. One thing I do know is that I was blind. Now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered again, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, Here's an astonishing thing. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But he does listen to the one who, who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sin, and you're trying to teach us? They drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and so he found him and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I can believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him. The one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not, may, who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we're not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now you say, We see. Your sin remains. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy One, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Point us towards you and your love, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This week, Elizabeth, who's in her late 20s, is having surgery. 
10 years ago, Elizabeth was pregnant. She tragically lost her baby. Since then, she's been living with fistula, which has caused her not to be able to give birth. Elizabeth lives in Tanj County, just north of Juba in South Sudan. Because she could not give birth, her husband left her and returned her dowry. As a result, she has been cast out and rejected by her community. Her safety net's gone. She's been alone ever since. She survived on minimal resources with no one coming alongside to support her or believe in her. This week, Elizabeth's having surgery so that hopefully she'll be able to give birth again. I heard Elizabeth's story this week from my friend, Reverend V. Nguyen. V is the director of Week of Compassion, which is the relief and refugee and development mission of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. He's in South Sudan this week, and he met Elizabeth. And because the surgeries she is receiving is being funded in part by Week of Compassion and performed by Week of Compassion's partners, V got to meet her, and V said, what really stuck with me is this. The surgery she will receive will relieve her physical concerns. But most importantly, it will empower her so that she can again be recognized and welcomed by her community. It's a physical healing, yes, but the real healing she is seeking, that she is longing for, is to be seen and included in her community. Not just seen for her disease, for what she lacks, but seen and welcomed for all of who she is. I hope you're hearing me right. The issue was never with her. She was always a whole beloved, wonderful child of God who should have been accepted and included and welcomed no matter what. The issue is with the community that couldn't see beyond the fact that she had a medical diagnosis due in no fault to her own, and because of that, they would not welcome her. To them, she was just that woman who can't have a baby. It struck me, because I think it's the same thing happening in our story today. The man who has born, been born blind has been excluded from the community because of his blindness. Also, from here on out, I'm just going to call him Zach, in part because I don't want to say the man who has been born blind like 10,000 times in the next 10 minutes. But also, I think he deserves a name. All the community could see him for was the blind man. Jesus spends the whole story trying to help people see him for who he is, and yet the author of the story just still called him the man born blind, so I don't think they totally got it. Anyway, the story tells us that Zach, like Elizabeth, has been excluded and left out in part because of his physical ailment and forced to live on minimal resources and to beg with no one coming alongside to support him or believe in him. All anyone sees about him is that he's blind. When the disciples first pass by him in our story, they don't even talk to him. They just talk about him, right in front of him. Jesus, why is this man blind? Who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents? Can you imagine how many times he'd been talked about at and not to in his life? I spent one summer as a chaplain at a CPE chaplain at Arlington Life Shelter, a family homeless shelter, a place where families go while they are temporarily unhoused. 
The first time, I told the residents, hey, guess what? We have a church group coming tonight. They're bringing dinner. It's going to be great. Every resident said to me, we hate when church groups come. I was like, wait, what? Like, they're bringing, like, home-cooked food. It's going to be great. Like, I've eaten the food with y'all here, and this is going to be really good. Just watch, they said. Watch what happens. So I watched. And the group came, and they stood behind a counter, and they brought wonderful, amazing food. And they handed it out. And as they did, they said not one word to our residents. They said a lot of words to me. She is so young. How did she become homeless? I cannot believe she has a baby in the shelter. Can you imagine growing up homeless? Our residents could hear them, but they wouldn't talk to them. Now, this wasn't every church who came, but it was a lot of them. How demoralizing to be talked at and not talked to, to not be really seen. That's what the disciples are doing to Zach here, talking about him but not to him, treating him like he's not even there. I mean, once Jesus restores Zach's sight, the community still doesn't recognize him. Was that the guy who used to beg? Nah, couldn't be. They never really even looked at him. Jesus, I think, might have said about Zach something very similar to what V said about Elizabeth. This surgery, this mud-spit medical miracle thing, it's going to restore your sight. But the real healing I hope to provide you is to restore you to your community. The real healing I hope happens is that you know that you belong, that you are wanted, that you are not alone the real healing, I hope, happens is that the community sees that you are worthy and whole all along. This exclusion based on physical differences and abilities doesn't just happen far away in Africa or long ago in Jesus' time. It happens today, here, in our own communities. In Dr. Amy Kinney's book, My Body is Not a Prayer Request, which is a phenomenal book if you haven't read it, she talks about her own experience of being differently abled and how way too often folks like her with different abilities are seen only by what's different about them as something that needs to be healed or fixed. When the real healing doesn't need to happen to the person with different abilities, she says, but to the community that excludes and devalues them because of it. The real problem, the real issue is not Elizabeth, it's not Zach, it's not our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness, the people with the real problem that needs healing is the judging exclusive community that cannot see them for the beloved, amazing, whole people they are who talk at them but not to them. If you put it in terms of the disciples' question at the beginning of our story, who sinned? One Zach, one his parents. It's the religious leaders in the community that refuse to see and welcome Zach. The sinners in this story, the one at the end Jesus tells are truly blind and in need of healing, are the ones who judge and who don't welcome all of God's beloved. I get why the disciples asked this question, and don't you? I think they were afraid. They want to know there's got to be a reason he was born blind, right? I mean, there's got to be a reason he's begging, a reason he's being excluded, a reason he's been left so destitute, because if there's a reason... They can avoid it, right? Just don't do the things their family did and, and you'll have sight. We do the same thing, right? If we can just figure out why bad things happen to other people, we just won't do those things and we're going to be safe. 
that's not really how the world works, right? Bad things happen to good people all the time. If you read the poem that was in our devotional for this week by Reverend Sarah Speed, it's called Jesus in the Psych Ward. And she imagines that Jesus is sitting in this group therapy circle and someone asks, is it our fault? Are we here because we've sinned? She says Jesus does not wait for the facilitator to speak. He crosses the circle, he kneels down, he grabs her hand and says, child of the covenant, God loves you too much to ever wish you pain. Body and minds crumble sometimes, but God's love for you does not. And after that, she says, there were happy tears, and the group was dismissed for lunch, and they broke bread, and no one talked of sin. Jesus says to the disciples, and in the poem, someone's different abilities or medical diagnosis or painful circumstances in their life, none of that's because of sin. None of that is a punishment from God. In the hard things in our lives, Jesus doesn't abandon us, but kneels down, grabs our hand, and says, I'm with you, and I'm not going anywhere. So, no, Zach's blindness is not because he or his parents sinned. Now, the answer to why he's been excluded, why he's been left to beg, why he's all alone, that's because of sin. Because of the sin of the community that excluded him, because of what they saw made him different than them. Sin is such a fraught word in our world, right? I don't really know how you grew up, what church tradition you came from. Maybe you came from one where they talked about sin all the time and like twice on Wednesday, right? They really wanted you to know you are a sinner and you better change this and Jesus is going to save you, right? Maybe you grew up in a disciples church like I did where we sang some hymns about sin or prayed for it, but never really talked about what the concept was, and I grew up pretty confused on what I was I was supposed to be avoiding or not. We say the word sin, but we mean lots of different things by it. Some people think of sin and the idea of, like, original sin, right? Like Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, and since then, all of us have been living in sin. The only way to be saved is by God's grace. Others of us understand sin to be about individual moral failings. That if we don't follow every single rule laid out in the Bible or told to us and emphasized to us by our religious leaders, then God will punish us. Those with this understanding strive every day to follow the rules, to live as pure and rule-following as possible. Some of this, and with some people with this understanding, also spend a lot of time judging those who they think are breaking the rules because they think they're saving people from God's punishment by helping them to follow the rules as they understand them. This is the understanding of sin we see kind of most played out in public American Christianity these days. Another understanding of sin is systemic sin or collective sin. This idea is way less about what we as individuals do or don't do to follow God's rules. Instead, it's about what all of us together do as a community. It's this idea that we as a whole human race have set up our world to look pretty different than the way God would dream it to be set up. We've set it up in ways that hurt the planet, God's good creation, that judge and exclude people based on their race or where they're from or their gender or who they love. We've set up systems that lead some of us to have more than we could ever need and others of us to have not near enough. And this vision of what sin is, our role as disciples, as Christians, is to help change the system to make earth look more like heaven. 
There's lots more ways to think about sin. I'm not going to go on and on about this forever. But I wanted you to see there's lots of ways that they're coming at it with the scripture. And I think Jesus is introducing a different way for them to look at it. Stick with me here as I go through what I think Jesus might be saying in this scripture. Throughout the scriptures, we hear the phrase, repent and sin no more, right? The Greek word that's translated as repent in our Bible literally means to turn around, right? So to turn away from something, turn back to something else, to turn around. Jesus in the gospel says, if you sum up all the laws and the prophets, there are just really two most important rules to follow. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah? So if we're supposed to be turning towards God and towards our neighbor in love, sin would be anything that turns us away from God and away from loving our neighbors. Are you with me? Kind of? Okay. So I think what Jesus might be saying is that sin is any time we turn away from our neighbors, away from God, not loving our neighbors, not welcoming them, not treating them as the whole beloved children of God they are. Repentance or healing means turning back to God, back to our neighbors in love, opening up our doors and our hearts and our minds, loving and welcoming them exactly as they are, who God created them to be and loves dearly. So in this understanding of sin, turning away from our neighbors, excluding them, judging them, the question of who sinned in our story, it's not Zach. It's not his parents. Although I will say, I think later on in the story, his parents do kind of fall into this turning away from the neighbors. Did you hear that? They, they are so afraid that they're going to get kicked out of the temple if they go with what their son's saying. They're like, you just ask him. We are not getting involved in this. Yeah, he's our son. Yeah, I was born blind. You figure this out with him. And that still happens today a lot too, right? Religious communities say, your child is sinning, so you either need to shun them and kick them out or get them to come back in. And so parents afraid to being kicked out of the religious community say, there, it's up to them. You figure it out. We're, we're going to stay how we are. Anyway, back to my original point. Who sinned, they ask. Jesus answers the community that excluded him that didn't treat him with dignity, that turned away from their neighbor, those are the people, that last line Jesus says, when the Pharisees say, we're not blind, are we? You are, Jesus says. Those are the people who are truly blind. Jesus heals Zach's eyesight. But the real healing Jesus is longing for, the real miracle Jesus is working for, the real healing for blindness, would be if the community welcomed Zach and truly saw him as the amazing beloved child of God he is. If you read ahead when you get home to chapter 10, Jesus kind of outlines this in chapter 10, chapter 9. What would it look like if all were welcomed into the fold with the good shepherd? It's this vision of what a healed, saved world would look like. So, in the moments when you feel like Zach at the beginning of this story, excluded, judged, misunderstood, not seen for all of who you are, but just for what people judge you for, I hope you hear in the scripture Jesus saying to you, you are loved and valued and worthy exactly as you are. And God will do anything to help you and those around you to see you and to love you and to affirm your dignity. And in those moments, we feel more like the disciples or the religious leaders or the community in this story. 
I hope we hear Jesus' challenge to us. It's not our job to judge or exclude anyone. It's not our job to try and determine why someone is the way they are. It's only our job to welcome. It's only our job to love. It's only our job to see our neighbors for exactly who God made them to be and created them to be and to celebrate them, even if they're different than us. I hope we hear Jesus' challenges to us that if we want our world and our communities to know real healing, we must first turn, turn toward our neighbor in love, not away from them. And we must fight any system that tries to get us to turn away from our neighbors and to exclude. Holy One, give us eyes to see the world and our neighbors as you see. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.